Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Business and Technology show. I'm Tom Lyons and I'm joined in studio this week by Irish Times business editor John McManus and Irish Times business journalists Barry O'Halloran and Laura Slattery. It's been a pretty exciting week for business. Uh, We have NAMA is the end finally in sight. Uh, We have a new CEO coming into independent news and media and we've got Michael O'Leary still in the cockpit at Ryanair. Uh, John, we'll start with NAMA. A major review launched this morning down in Merrion Street by Minister for Finance Michael Noonan and Frank Daly, the chairman of NAMA. Uh, It's a big review carried out by the Department of Finance uh, and it basically says that NAMA is ahead of schedule in terms of asset sales. It should repay all its debt. It may even yield a surplus. But the real focus of what they were saying was was about initiatives, things that they hope to do, in particular around Dublin. What what did you think of what they were saying, John, in terms of you know investing in the Dublin Docklands and in the in housing in the Greater Dublin area? Yeah, it's it's interesting. This was a under the NAMA legislation. There has to be a review after five years to see whether or not it's still it's fulfilling its objectives and whether it needs to continue in existence. And it seems to have passed that bit are the review with flying colours, but as you say, the interesting thing is the other initiatives that they have proposed, um, amongst which probably the, yeah, the flagship one is this, that they, they, they want to make, um, they believe there's an opportunity to make Dublin like the, um, uh, the, the seaport in Boston and various other sort of um, waterfront destinations, and they think it's possible because they own all the land down there, and that's pretty unusual to have one developer owning all the land, and you can have what I think they're calling joined-up planning. And it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to... Um, to 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 see anything um, too wrong with that, and um, if they can if they can do it and uh, make money, it, it'd be a, yeah you'd have to say it's a positive thing. But what does it does it is it beyond what Nama's remit is originally? Probably yeah. Yeah, it does seem to be morphing into something new. Uh, one of the things Barry they were saying was that you know they were saying they were going to put three billion into building houses and into the docklands and. You know, like there, there was question marks, you know, raised among journalists, at least around, you know, who who are going to build all these great buildings? I mean, NAMA, you know, they don't know, they don't know how to, to construct buildings. Uh, like, is there the con- contracting expertise still there among Irish firms to, to, to build all these new office blocks which are required? I'm sure a lot of the, <coughs> pardon me. I'm sure a lot of people in the industry would say that there is, but the reality is that that the the building industry as was has shrunk by about two thirds. 
I think seven or eight of the top 20 builders in 2006, 2007 are, are, are gone. That would include the likes of McInerney, McNamara, Pierce. All of these people were, were building, were, were active in residential building and had a fair bit of expertise in that area. I suspect that what will happen is that you'll see joint ventures with the, the, exist, with the remaining players bringing in partners from outside the country like they did with, the, with road projects. And John Minister Noonan was saying, you know, there's you know there's huge uh, international appetite for these for these assets. Uh, would you be concerned, you know, that if the Lone Stars and the Cerebuses and all of these guys, you know, that if they come in and they buy all these portfolios, that they might become too powerful? You know, that they might suddenly have portfolios of say eight, ten billion in Ireland, and that they can call the shots as to as to how how quickly they want to develop or not develop. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a good question because. Um, they, they, some of them will be very substantial players. I guess what you have to ask yourself is, is that in there? And if that suited them, they would do it. Of course they would. I guess you have to ask yourself, is that what interests them? I mean, a lot of them would have been, if NAM has done its job correctly, a lot of them would have been made by mixed portfolios where they don't really want to own um, all the assets in it cause, and they will try to offload the, probably, those probably as quickly as possible and then they would have various other... Uh, pressures, you know, they'd have to be selling some assets to, in order to release cash to 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 repay their um, uh, repay their investors. But yeah, it's it's a good point. Like if Nama hasn't got the blend of purchases right, um, you will you will see some people in a position to try and uh, extract monopoly profits, and uh, they will they'll try and do it because that's their business. Yeah. And uh, Barry, uh, you know, the minister Noonan was he was saying, you know, that. It, you know, the focus is all, you know, seemed to me anyway, that like, you know, we're saying we're going to do this in Dublin and we're going to do that in Dublin and then maybe we'll look at the greater Dublin area. Uh, there wasn't too much said about the regions and that type. Do you think that, you know, that NAMA has got a plan for what for what they're going to do in the rest of the country or, or you know, are, or, or are they just going to focus on the, on the urban areas at the moment? It, it does look like they're going to focus on the ur- ur- urban areas for the moment and it, it does kind of beg the question. I think... A lot of this flows from the fact that in the last couple of months we've realised that there is a very tight squeeze on housing in Dublin. But the, that seems to be mimicked to a certain extent in places like Cork and Galway particularly. And I'm sure that once you know, w- once the Dublin thing gets any kind of momentum, you will have political representations from, from other areas saying, listen, we want a piece of this action as well. And then we'll see whether or not NAMA has actually been paying close attention to, to, to the other areas. I suspect that it hasn't, actually. And, John, when you think back to, you know, uh, the late Minister for Finance, Brian Lenehan, when he was launching NAMA, uh, you know, it was people were very sceptical about it. Uh, do you think that uh, NAMA has answered its detractors or, you know, or, or, or are things as positive as they were certainly making out today? It's, it depends what you kind of see NAMA as, as the purpose of NAMA. I mean, uh, if you think it's re- it was set up to um, clean the bank, clean the ba- property loans out of the banks in order to get the banking system functioning, um, it's done its bit. It's it, you've got the bad loans out of the banks, but uh, the banking system hasn't um, isn't really functioning properly yet. So the grand project isn't working. But NAMA, in terms of the the role it plays, seems to have played it. Well, it's had some. Um, it's ha- it's had a few breaks along the way in terms of um, the, the the economic uh, uh, recovery, um, but uh, and it's it's certainly ahead of schedule. Uh, and and it's interesting now, if you like, the focus seems to be shifting away from just making sure we we repay the money we've borrowed 
to um, we're, we're definitely going to be able to do that. So now let's try and and achieve a few other uh, economic goals um, alongside it. And there's clearly a tension there between a desire to wrap it up as quickly as possible and this other view that if you take a bit longer, you might get a bit more money and you might be able to achieve a few uh, other goals. And they seem to have struck a bit of a compromise between it. And it was interesting, I've only just had a quick read of the document, but one of the points they make is that what you might lose on the, the selling to early roundabout, you might gain on the economic activity you'll generate as a result of the building projects, which kind of speaks to what Barry was saying. If, um, you know, you might, these, a lot of these construction companies may well be able to scale up quite quickly to, to if um, if there's projects available and money to be made, yes, um, th- that, that there does seem to be a, there, there seems to be an immediate spin-off for the construction industry. Which, I mean, it, <laughs> we blame the construction industry for a lot of things uh, in the wake of the financial crisis. But there is no question that that it, it now actually needs some kind of a fill-up. So there 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 is a payoff there certainly. I suppose what what will be irritating and it's inevitable is that some of the uh, property developers who uh, went into NAMA um, will have will be emerging now with their debts effectively written down and some of them will almost certainly end up uh, making a lot of money out of some sort of project in in, in all of this and uh, um, yeah that's kind of so we'll, we'll leave see a sour the, taste in some people's mouths anyway. Yeah. These great entrepreneurs or reckless speculators, depending on your view, uh, making a comeback. Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the things, Barry, that uh, Frank Daly was asked about, you know, he was asked uh, about, you know, you're you're saying you're winding up NAMA, uh, therefore sure, won't all the staff, you know, be going on LinkedIn and uh, sending out their CVs left, right and centre. Uh, he said that the, the, the board of NAMA was going to look at some incentives to try and keep people. Uh, do you think uh, introducing bonuses uh, to key to hold on to people um, in NAMA is the way to go? I'm a little bit sceptical about that. I mean, look, fr- fr- from the get-go, we all knew that NAMA was not meant to be around forever. And I mean, I'm, I'm aware of people who've joined the organisation, not just early on, but in, in recent months, or say within the last six to nine months. And they're fully aware that 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 that, 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 that NAMA is a finite thing. So they already understand that this is the situation. I think that having worked in NAMA for a period of time and having sort of, you know, you, you, you've got great access to what's actually happening, you've got great access to information and what's actually happening in the Irish property and now the Irish construction markets. And I think you'll be eminently employable when the time comes. So I don't really see the need for bonuses. The, the bonus is the fact that you're there and you're already well paid. Yeah, and I think the good, the good ones will be going anyway. Yeah. I mean, they've now been told your job is over by 2018. Um, they're not going to hang around until halfway through 2017 are they they if they have an opportunity comes up and they're going to go and they're like and they are eminently employable on the basis of the, the time they spent there and just looking at the other big uh, story of the week to bring you in uh laura slattery uh independent news and media publisher of the sunday independent irish independent and the herald it has a new chief executive uh can you tell us about who it is and uh, what his background is well, his name is uh, Robert Pitt, and it's uh, you know it's fair to say he wouldn't have been on anyone's uh, sh- uh, shortlist, you know, from from out- terms of outside uh, commentators. But it could turn out to be quite a kind of a refreshing choice for for INM. He's a forty three year old uh, supermarket executive, and much of his career was spent in the Czech Republic, where most recently he was the chief uh, operations uh, officer for. Um, for Tesco. Um, but he also, you know, he would have um, played a role um, in establishing Lidl in Ireland um, in the sort of late 90s. 
and uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's a really interesting one. It's a really kind of um, fascinating choice, really, because he's no uh, he's no media industry experience. So we would wait and see now what his thoughts are. And do you think his retail experience, I mean, if you look at Lidl, it's about cutting costs. If you look at Tesco, it's about tracking the, the consumer and working out as much detail as you can about people. Do you think that he's going to use those two uh, skill sets uh, in his new role? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of T- Tesco's uh, um, strengths was, in fact, you know, getting to know as much about their customer as possible. Um, in recent years, uh, Tesco's, I suppose, is is has been trying to to go back to the drawing board a little bit. It's lost a little bit of ground in in the UK market, so it's had, it's had to, um, you know, look at what what it's doing. Um, I think one of the key parts of the statement that INM put out yesterday um, is that. It said Robert Pitt had kind of change management skills. So that's kind of a little bit of jargon, I guess. But, um, you know, nobody would deny that the media industry needs somebody with, with change management skills. And it might be a little bit reassuring for employees at INM that most of the change management that he seems to have been responsible for um, has been in, in setting things up rather than rather than knocking things down. And John, do you have a view? Well, I think it's I think Laura's right in that they're, they're, they're billing him as a change management guy uh, and without a doubt there's a lot of change to be managed over in uh, independent newspapers as there is uh, uh, over here in our our organisation but the whole Tesco thing is intriguing isn't it because they they did use, I've certainly heard it said that Tesco knows more about the average person in the UK than the British government because of all the information it's collected over the years and how it uses it and obviously media organisations now we're start, we, we are going to start collecting an awful lot of information about our readers and get to know them. And this presents us with an opportunity, I guess, to tailor products. And and, and it's uh, easier said than done. But I guess if you've done it, if you have some experience of it in Tesco, you might be able to bring it to, to your own organisation. Because I, I was talking to somebody in one of the large UK newspaper groups not so long ago, and, and that's what they were sort of saying, that we're they're looking at what the big retailers do and how they use information about customers. Uh, and they're trying to work out clever things they can do so maybe maybe it's fortuitous yeah i mean i think you know the newspaper industry has to sort of realize that rather than sort of waiting for people to buy your product it really has to go out and sell it and that's really where somebody with sort of commercial skills uh, like a supermarket uh, man might might come into play and Barry, you know, this has been, it's been a fairly long process. I mean, I think it's been four or five months, the the hiring process. Uh, do, you, do you think that, they, that they were always looking for, you know, somebody who is an outsider working in the Czech Republic in Tesco? Uh, or do you think that they might have looked at uh, people maybe close to home who had worked in the industry and maybe in the end decided that this wasn't a job for them? I, I, I can't... I, 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 I don't really know in one way, but it, it doesn't it doesn't come as any surprise to me at all that 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 they actually did go to for the the shelf stacker in in the the Czech the Czech Republic Tesco's because really given the problems that the Indos had and given the internal politics it's 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 a good idea you bring in somebody who has absolutely no baggage and no connections to this industry whatsoever so it, 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 as choices go it doesn't surprise me. I was really surprised at the length of time it took them, given the problems that the organisation have and and given the fact that it really does need some leadership now. I mean, we should probably say that we shouldn't really knock the Czech Republic because it has got a population of more than 10 million, I understand. So it might not have been Tesco's uh, biggest market and it might not have had the kind of foothold that it has in the UK or in Ireland. But, you know, it was, it's, it's a sub- substantial market there that he was uh, he was obviously trying to grow. 
Um, uh, for the record, he wasn't stacking shares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I believe I, I understand he's married to a Czech lady, which is understand uh, might have played a role in why he's he did spend quite a lot of time in the Czech Republic as part of his career. He initially went out there in the early nineties, and he's also worked in China, so he has a good international perspective, which might come into play too. Well, we wish him well. I mean, he's clearly somebody who's got a very strong... Well, not too well. <laughs> uh, we, we, we wish that he does reasonably well. Uh, and <laughs> and he clearly has a very uh, strong track record in management. And we're going to have to see, how, see what ideas he brings to the table. Uh, just uh, talking about managers, Barry, uh, you know, we've got one of the country's top CEOs, uh, Michael O'Leary, has said uh, he's going to stay for five more years uh, with Ryanair. Uh, does that, did that particularly surprise you? No, not at all. And I, I think it was clear once both uh, Michael Cawley, his deputy, and uh, Howard Miller, his finance chief, announced that they were going, that it, the, the, the main reason for their departure, if you like, was the fact that, that Michael O'Leary was intending to stay around for uh, another few years. And in fact, two weeks ago, it was suggested that 2019 was was at least his target, um, which is five, which is five years away, because that's the that'll be the first phase of the of the the, the airline's next growth plan, if you like. Um, it's the period where they'll take delivery of all the new craft they've bought, or most of the new craft they've bought. Um, so it's pretty clear he wants to stick around for that, um, and it's equally clear that he's he's made no secret of that within the organisation for quite some time. So no, it hasn't taken me back at all. So we, we've seen, you know, some of the potential contenders for his throne exit the business. Uh, do you think he's building a new management team around him, Barry, as well as promoting some of the people that have always been there? Well, there's, it's a mixture of both. I mean, Neil Sorhan will succeed uh, Howard Miller in the, the finance role at the end of the year. Um, and Sorhan has been there for, I think, 12 years and he's worked very closely with Miller for a big chunk of that. So he he was effectively Miller's deputy. So in in one sense, it's it's very much steady pair of hands. It's very much a familiar face to investors and, and to analysts. Uh, on the other side, they hired uh, Kenny Jacobs as a, a marketing chief, their first ever marketing chief earlier this year, which which did mark an, a, a new departure for the airline in terms of its senior management. I think it's it's a mixture of both. I mean, uh, O'Leary knows that the, the organisation has to change in, in certain ways, and, and that's obviously what he's been doing, and that's obviously the process that he's been been managing over the last sort of over the last nine months, if you like. And I think um, so. Th- that has inevitably led to some changes at the top. I think it's it's the timing of the announcement is interesting, isn't it? Because it is uh, there is no clarity about the succession plan uh, in Ryanair uh, and the, the you know, like I say, Howard and the other guy left. Uh, and I imagine some investors at least would be wondering about this and I think he's trying to reassure them by publicly announcing he's staying on for another five years which is kind of an unusual thing for a, for a chief executive to do isn't it uh, and that um, it's sort of chicken and egg did he do that because, did the others leave because he said he's staying on or has he had to say he's staying on because these guys have left now because maybe they're just sort of yeah, figured they'd had enough in Ryan. There's an there's an element of both in that. I think it 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 it's pretty obvious that from the soundings that that we were getting in the wake of Howard Howard Miller's announcement uh, a fortnight ago that Michael O'Leary had at least made it clear internally. But the fact that he hadn't said it publicly was possibly leading to some disquiet amongst investors. Although there was no sort of seismic moves one way or the other in in the company's share price either. So it, it it's hard to know just how much impact um, that had. 
And Laura, uh, you know, Ryanair also, I mean, for the consumer, introduced one of the the, 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 the great innovations of our time. Uh, they introduced a new app which is going to allow us uh, scrap having to frantically print off your tickets uh, at, at whatever hotel you might be staying in. Uh, how, how do you view this strategy? I mean, this is the, another step in uh, the, the cuddly new Ryanair. Um, you could say that, or you could say if this is Ryanair catching up with the rest of the industry, really. Um, and it, you know, it admitted it had a poor website, and it, and it, and it revamped that earlier in the year. And this, with with this app that it's just launched this week, it, it's really just following on from um, similar apps that other airlines have, including Aer Lingus, who um, tweeted um, yesterday doing mobile check-in and boarding ever since you got your new iPhone four in two thousand eleven, to which a lot of people replied meow because I think they were maybe a little bit put out that, that Ryanair picked up so much publicity from the launch of, of uh, this this new app but it's it's you know it's positive for consumers I certainly you, you know if you go up to security now rather than showing uh, a, a somebody your uh, printed out boarding pass you hand them your phone and uh, and they, they scan it or you might scan it yourself um, you know certainly in Heathrow that would be the way it works um, in order to let you through to the next, the next, um, the, the the actual baggage area. It, so it, is, it is another triumph for the Ryanair publicity machine, really, isn't it? When you when you think about it, and maybe it's because uh, they've done something nice and haven't charged people money for it. Perhaps that's why yeah. it's uh, got all the publicity it did. They haven't charged for this thing that loads people other, other airlines offer for free. Which, so that's <laughs> it's really great of them. <laughs> well, that, that is, uh, Michael O'Leary is the master of the publicity stunt. Uh, Irish Times business editor John McManus, uh, Barry O'Halloran and Laura Slattery, uh, thanks for coming on this week's programme. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.